And because I'm trying to add Pastor Edwin on, and I'm sure that it is doable. Um, and I'm just, but I need his name to come up. So. Hey, Youngs. We're so glad that you could be here, brother and sister Young. We're so excited. For those of you who attend FOC, this is the week of the fast, and we're just really, really excited about what God is doing. We're expecting this is a year. Pastor Edwin has declared that it is a year of great victory, and God wants us to win in every area of life. It is a year of hope and promise. So for those of us who are fasting, we are just fasting with great expectation. We believe that fasting produces supernatural results and it produces discipline. So we're going to go ahead and pray and we are going to get into the teaching for today. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for every family that's represented here. We thank you that you have good plans and purposes for us. We thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And we can come boldly to your throne. And we can cry, Abba, Father. And we have access to you, to your wisdom, to your favor, to your protection, to your insight, to your direction. And we thank you for that. We thank you for Holy Spirit who leads, guides, and directs us and causes us to win in every area of life. We thank you for the written word because it will, if we study it, it will transform us. We thank you for the teaching today. And we decree and declare that we're never going to be the same again. Again, that when we hear the word, that we aren't just hearing it to hear it, but we hear it for the intent of being doers of the word. We are not just hearers, but we are doers also. And Lord, we just thank you for this word. Thank you for manifestation. Thank you for fruitfulness. Thank you for transformation. And we thank you that this is a year of great, great victory. Come on and hashtag, it's the year of great victory. It's a year of great victory. Amen. So as you know, we started the teaching last week. And next week, Pastor Edwin will be here in the office with me because I love I, I, I love teaching with him. I just think our dynamic together is just so um, powerful because you get both of us. And so he'll be back next week. And I'm really excited about that. And so, um, but to last week we started and we gave you these five things. So I want to give them to you again for those of you who did not, um, were not here um, last week or you just need a refresher of it last week. I want to give you these five things that we talked about because we're talking about how to um, have a highly, um, how to have highly developed faith, how to have faith that works, how to have faith that produces, how to have faith that gets the victory. And so this is the year of great victory. God wants you to win. He never designed for you to lose. He's engineered you to overcome um, tri trials and tribulations and to triumph and to be more than a conqueror. That is his will for your life. And the way that we do that is by faith. As believers, after we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, one of the most important things that we can do is learn how to walk by faith. It is so important for us to know how to walk by faith. Well, what does faith mean? It means to believe God enough to do what he says. 
to believe God enough to do what he says. It's like salvation. There are lots of people who've heard the salvation message, but yet they haven't received it because even though they've heard it and they might actually believe it, but they don't believe it enough to act on it. And so this faith that we're talking about is this faith that allows you to put your weight on God in such a way that you act. It allows you to act because we don't just want talking faith. We want faith that actually acts because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. It is so important for us to have the kind of faith that will actually produce victory in our life. Amen. We're going to believe God enough to do what he says. And we're going to show you tonight some scriptures that will help build your faith. But I want to give you these five principles of living a faith-filled life or these five principles for having a highly, having highly developed faith. Five principles for having highly developed faith. Number one, if you're going to have a, live a faith-filled life, you have to focus on the word. The faith-filled life focuses on the word, not the words of the economy, not the words of naysayers, not even your own self-doubt, negative words, but you focus on what God is saying. So a faith-filled life focuses on the word. Number two, a faith-filled life, a faith-filled life rises above the five senses. Understand this, that you will have evidence that is contrary to what God is saying sometimes. God may tell you to go in one direction and it may look like that there are barriers and there are all kinds of obstacles that there's no way that you can overcome. But that is why it's important for you not to be dependent on your five senses when it comes to obeying God. When it comes to obeying God, you have to trust God above all. So the faith-filled life is going to rise above the five senses. Number three, the faith-filled life measures everything by the word. The faith-filled life measures everything by the word. In fact, the faith, the person who is filled with faith often asks this question, what did God say? When somebody says, go left, you're like, what did God say? When someone says, I think I'm supposed to do this, or I think you're supposed to do this, you say, what did God say? The faith-filled life wants to know what God has said about a situation. The person who lives the faith-filled life wants to know what God has said about health, what God has said about wealth, what God has said about peace, what God has said about joy, what God has said about every area of your life. You measure everything by the word. Isaiah 53 says, whose report will we believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. The faith-filled life measures everything by the word. Number four, the faith-filled life takes action. As faith walkers, faith walkers. That means we're moving somewhere. God said to Abraham, he said, I'm going to show you a place. Get up and go. Abraham had to get up and go. He couldn't just sit there and go, Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you. Lord, I believe you. And not actually get up and go. So the faith-filled life is a life that takes action. It takes corresponding action, not just random action, not just action based on five senses, not just actions based on emotions, but it is a faith. The faith Faith-filled life takes corresponding action. And then fifth, the faith-filled life understands the power of covenant. Man, covenant matters. God has entered into covenant with him, with us through Jesus Christ. By faith, we have access to that covenant. God has called us to be a part of church families and covenant families and tribes of people who are um, are 
that we're designed to operate and live together. The body has many parts, but we're supposed to be working together in order to accomplish the kingdom of God. And listen, if you're going to have a faith-filled life, you need to understand the power of covenant. And one of the things that we said last week was this, is that in this season and in every season, you have to be so very careful of how the enemy will use people and offense and all manner of things to talk you out of the places that you are supposed to be connected. Pastor Edwin posted on his post today, he said, if you find a perfect church, don't you go because it won't be perfect anymore. And I just want to challenge you. It's so important that if God has called you to a church, if God has called you to a ministry, do not let offense cause you to leave that place when that place is your connection to be able to live your best life. And I get it. You have the right to hear God for yourself. You do, and every believer should hear God. But in Ephesians, it tells us that he has given us the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints. You were not designed to do your Christian life in isolation all over by yourself, trying to make it all by yourself because you don't fool with church people. Church, faith-filled people understand covenant. So I know that Pastor Edwin put those in the notes so that you would be able to see them. And so we're going back to number one. The faith-filled life focuses on the word. Now, before we jump into those scriptures, I want to give you three other scriptures that we didn't use the other night. Hebrews 10 and 38, it says, the just shall live by faith. You ought to just write back to me and say, talk back to me and say, I just live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10 and 38. Um, yes, don't forget to share this broadcast. If you were blessed last week, you know it's going to be the same thing this week. The word is going to absolutely infuse you, energize you. It's going to cut away what doesn't need to be there. And so share that because our desire is to take the gospel to take the word of the kingdom, to take the word of faith all over the nation so that people who are struggling can know that Jesus has called them to live in victory. It is the will of God for people to live in victory. All people, regardless to what the economy is doing, regardless to, um, um, to what the government is doing, it is the will of God for the people of God to live by faith. Yes. Hebrews 10 and 38, it says, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, draw back from what? Draw back from faith. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. So here it is. And God is saying, listen, if you've been justified, that's what that word just means. The just, if you have been justified, well, you're not justified by your behavior. I'm not justified by my behavior. We are justified by our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it says the same faith that you use to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is the same faith that you use for healing. It's the same faith that you use for deliverance. It's the same faith you use for promotion. It's the same faith that you use for whatever you need in your life. So it says those who have been justified, anybody out there been justified, anybody out there know that they have been washed in the blood of the lamb and that they are redeemed and that their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, if that's you, it says that here is your charge. You should live by faith. What is faith? It is trusting God enough to obey him. Trusting God enough to do it his way. So if you know that you have been justified, you must make a commitment to trust God enough to do it his way 
way. Let's do it his way. Anybody out there who is committed to doing it God's way. And you may be thinking, Pastor Sean, why are you asking us to type? Why are you asking us to say something? Right where you are, if you aren't in a public place, you ought to be saying what I'm saying back because something supernatural happens when the word begins to get in your heart and come out of your mouth. So we want to trust God enough to obey him. He says, if you've been justified and I've been justified, he said, then you should live by your faith. He says, and if you draw back, my soul doesn't have any pleasure in you. Now, this is really important because this is not about something like about going to hell. So now, oh, God doesn't have any pleasure in you, so he's going to send you to hell. What sends you to hell is to reject Jesus, the sacrifice that Jesus has made. But here's what happens. If you go over and you look in Hebrews 11 and 6, so we just found out that we're supposed to live by faith. Faith. I just live by faith. Amen. I trust God enough to obey him. Amen. And then if we look in Hebrews 11 verse 6, we find this. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For when you come to God, you've got to believe two things. I really, really love this scripture. You have to believe that he is and you have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There are lots of people out here in the world and they um, they believe in God, but they don't believe that he is a rewarder of them who seeks him. Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us not only do we believe that God exists, like we believe in his essence, his aura, his fullness, his divinity, but we also believe that this same God who is creator of the universe, who has the power to heal, who owns everything. We trust that this God right here rewards those that diligently seek him. So it says we can't draw back because if we draw back, then he doesn't have any pleasure in us. And why doesn't he have any pleasure in us? This last scripture is going to tell you before we jump into what we're talking about tonight. First John 5 and 4. This last scripture right here is going to tell us. Why he cares that we trust him. First John 5 and 4. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. So he says, so look at this. God is asking us to trust him because he wants us to overcome the world. And he knows it takes faith to overcome the world. So he says, trust me. And then he's disappointed when we don't trust him because he knows we can't overcome the world if we don't put our faith in him. So that is why it's so important for us to put our faith in God. And one of the most, the one, the foundational ways to build our faith in God is to read the word. Now, I want to parenthetically insert this right here, that if you grew up in the kind of church that was always sending you to hell, that always had a God out for a plague on you, that was always out to get you, then you really need to employ Romans 12 and 2 and renew your mind. God is not mad anymore. God poured all of his wrath out on Jesus Christ on the cross. God is not mad at you. God is not out to get you. And let me help you. If God was out to get you, who would stop him? We've been saying this for years. Edwin and I have been teaching this for years that God is not out to get you. Go ahead and just write that. God is not out to get me. Say it wherever you are. God is not out to get us. 
If God was out to get us, who is big and bad enough to stop him? He is not out to get us. He is for us. God is for us. The Bible says that even when we were in our sins, that God was thinking of us, which is why he sent Jesus so that we could be reconciled back to him. God is not out to get us. God is not out to get us. And if you grew up in the kind of denominations where you were taught that, you have got to get in this word and renew your mind to know that God is not against you. Not only is God not out to get you, God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Nobody, not in stand, not in prosper, not in overcome. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And see, do you see how if you begin to study the word, and you begin to look up the word, how it really begins to minister to your heart and it really begins to encourage you on the inside and you get stared up and you begin to understand that you are bigger than your credit score. You are bigger than a doctor's report. You are bigger than a negative report from the economy or the government. You are bigger than your past. You are bigger than molestation. You are bigger than rape. You are being bigger than rejected because God is for you and you are accepted in his love. You are accepted accepted in his love. Listen, so now we're going to get into these scriptures and you're going to see that we've already been doing the first scripture in Acts 20 and 32. It says, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Well, we already read over there in first John that the inheritance that God wants to give us is victory. God wants you to win in every area of life. There is no area of your life that God does not want under, under the dominion of his victory. He wants every area of your life and every area of my life under the dominion of his victory. He says, but if you're going to get that kind of inheritance, you've got to let the word build you up. That's why I love that the name of our church is Fellowship of Champions. We are a gathering place for champions, people who believe that through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are destined to win and we're sorry if everybody else doesn't think they should win we're sorry if you think that you should be beat up and knocked down by life but we have read the book and at the end of the book we win and the bible says thanks be to god who has given us the victory and that is why we boldly proclaim that this is a year of great victory. This is a year of great victory, not just victory, but it's a year of great victory. It's victory in your finances. It's victory in your body. It is victory in your mind. It is big depression is going to bow because there is because as you build yourself up in the word, you're going to see that your inheritance is victory. And when your inheritance is victory and you know who you are, nobody will be able to talk you into losing. Amen. The word is able to build you up. I don't care what kind of low self-esteem problems you have. I don't care how you've been rejected. I don't care what they've diagnosed you with. What I know is the word has the power to build you up and give you your inheritance of victory, which is why I am so incredibly excited by this word that we have from our pastor that says this is a year of great victory. You got to say it with some meaning. When I'm with the kids in the morning and we're making them do and we're doing confessions, I never let them do confessions like, Father, 
Father God, in the name of Jesus. I'm like, no, you got to be like, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you got to have some energy with it. You got to put your emotion in saying what God is saying. And what I'm saying to you is that when you're talking about great victory, you ought not be saying, this is the year of great victory. You ought to be like, this is the year of great victory. It's exceeding victory. It's overcoming victory. This is the year that I am going to win. Not only am I going to win this year, everybody connected to me is going to win this year. We all winning this year. We all winning this year because we are going to get built up in the word so that we can possess the inheritance of victory that God has given us. Amen. Now let's go to Romans 10 and 17. Say, I love the word. You can train yourself to love the word. You can train yourself to love the word, my friend. You can be a person who was unrenewed in your mind with no understanding of the word, but you can get in this word and you can train yourself to love the word. I love the word. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Babe, I really miss you. I wish you were here. Yeah. All right. Romans 10 and 17. So it says, if you want to build yourself up and if you want to have an inheritance, then you got to understand how building yourself comes. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means you should not get bored listening to the word. Some of you got movies that you have list watched hundreds of times. You got your favorite songs that you have listened to thousands of songs times. How in the world are you going to get bored listening to the word? Now you may get bored listening to a certain preacher and if so you need to find a preacher that you don't get bored listening to but the word in and of itself when it begins to speak life the bible says it like this it says it'll quicken your mortal body that literally god raised jesus from the dead from a word so literally the word can take what's dead in your life and cause it to come back to life that is why we love the word but it says you gotta hear the word and 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 you got to hear the word so long until you become utterly convinced that everything that God says is true. Let me give you an example. Most people do not get saved the first time they hear the message of salvation. Many of us went to churches and at those churches, they gave us an opportunity to come to Jesus every week. At the end of every service, they took us to the cross. They told us how Jesus was beat, how he was marched up the hill, how he was put on the cross, how he had, how he was, his hands was in his, nails was in his hands, how they pierced him in his side, how they put a crown of thorn on his head. Then they told us how he went into the grave and he died all night Friday night. And now he died all day Saturday and all night Saturday night. And then on early Sunday morning, he got up. Now, some of you out there know something about that. That's the way you were raised. But what I'm saying to you is that the first time you heard that, you didn't go, I'll take Jesus. But you kept on hearing it and you kept on hearing it. And even as kids, you didn't realize that that word was being deposited into your soul. And then one day at some point, you went, oh my God, that word right there, that Jesus that's on that cross is for me. Faith comes by hearing. So if you think about how many times somebody's heard the salvation message, but you haven't heard the message of healing, but you haven't heard the message that God wants you to be financially blessed, that you haven't heard the message that God wants your relationship to be good, you have to hear and hear and hear and hear and hear. You have to hear the word. Keep hearing the word. Amen. Now let's look at um, Matthew 5 and 18. It says, for verily I say unto you, 
till heaven and earth pass. One jot or one tittle in no wise shall pass from the law till all fulfilled is fulfilled. This scripture tells us that the word of God does not fail. The word of God does not fail. Just go ahead and say that. Say the word does not fail. The word does not fail. It does not fail. And then we're going to go right into Numbers 23 and 19. And we're going to know why it doesn't fail. Numbers 23 and 19, it says, because God is not a man that he should lie. So Matthew tells us that the word doesn't fail. It tells us that every word that God speaks will be fulfilled. And then Numbers 23 tells us why. It says, because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent has he said it and shall he not do it has he spoken it and shall he not make it good that is what you have to say to yourself why would God put a promise in the Bible for healing and then not, and say you don't qualify for healing why would God say that people can be blessed and increase and then say you don't be blessed and increase see the Bible says that it's whosoever believes you have to choose to be a whosoever who believes I love how Pastor Elwin explains that. He talked about his Sunday on church. He says, I love wherever the Bible says whosoever and whatsoever. Because wherever it says whosoever, I can insert my name. I am a whosoever that qualifies for the promises of God. I qualify for the promises of God. And you qualify for the promises of God. We qualify for the promises of God. God is not withholding his goodness from us. And God is not lying to us. God is not setting us up for the okie doke. God is not setting us up to fail. God's word is true. It does not fail. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The word of God does not fail. I qualify for the promises of God. Glory to God. You ought to just stop and take a second and just praise the Lord over that word right there. Father, we thank you that we qualify for the promises because of Jesus. We thank you that we have access because of our faith. We thank you that you are not withholding any good thing from us and this is our year of great victory because we are the whosoever's that qualify for the promises. Hallelujah. Man, if I was at church with y'all, I'd high five somebody. I'd high five three people because listen, this is so exciting because we qualify for the promises of God. We are qualified, not because we do everything right, not because we're so smart, not because of where we went to school, not because we made all A's, but because we have accepted Jesus as our Savior and accepting Jesus, our faith gives us access into the promises of God. How far, Meek? I see that. Thank you. Now, the next scripture that we're going to look at is Joshua 21 and 45 in the Amplified. Joshua 21 and 45 in the Amplified. It says, There fell no part of any good thing which the Lord promised the house of Israel. All came to pass. I really love this scripture 
It says there fell no part of any good thing. And I love that it says good thing because if you look in the Old Testament, sometimes God would get frustrated with Israel. Israel would break covenant with them and he would say that he was going to destroy them. And then Moses or somebody would wrestle with the Lord and say, you don't want to do that. Remember your word. Keep your word. And then and then so this scripture comes back and says there fell no part of any good thing which the Lord promised. And that's especially true for us because all of the curses and all of the destruction that we should get because of sin has been wrapped up and put on the cross with Jesus. And now we have the ability and the authority to come boldly to the throne of God. And this is why I love him like I do. I love him like I do because I know I'm not qualified for it. I know I'm not smart enough for it, but I choose to believe him. And he's so good to me. Hallelujah. God is good. All of the good things, the good things. God has some good things for you this year. God has some good things for your family. There are some good things for your marriage. There are some good things for your career. There are some good ways that you're going to be a blessing to somebody else. There is some goodness that is stored up for you this year. Amen. Now let's go to our next scripture, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Somebody may be thinking, Man, why do Pastor Ellen and Pastor Sean give so many scriptures? Well, we give so many scriptures because as motivating and entertaining as we may be, you cannot go to God and stand on our word. You must go to God and stand on his word. You must go to God and stand on his word, not our word, his word. And so I give, we give you the scriptures because we want you to be able to get in the word and do the same things that we have learned to do over these last 20 years, which is just to put a stake in a word from God and just to put all of your faith on it and see it come to pass. All right. So that's why we give so many scriptures and that's why we encourage that not only you go back and listen to this broadcast again, but that you also take notes and then you go back and you look at the notes again and you meditate on it and you chew on it and you begin to ask the Lord the things that he wants to do in your life. Now you're right because our word ain't nothing. It is the word of God that transforms. Amen. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. It says, for as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and return there not again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void without producing any effect or useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose it to do, and it shall prosper in the thing where which I sent it. It literally says this. It says, just like we know that there is a cycle, that the rain comes down from heaven, the clouds get full, the rain comes down, the earth gets water, and the earth produces. It says that when you get the word on the inside of you, when you get the word in your heart, it will produce. Tell your neighbor, say the word produces. The word will produce. It has to produce. Why? Because Numbers 23 told us that God is not a man, that he should lie. The word will produce. The word must produce because the word always works the same way. Clouds get full. Rain comes down. 
Rain comes down, it gets on seed, it gets on seed, seed grows up. When that word gets in your heart and it begins to penetrate in your heart, it will produce what God said. In fact, there's a scripture that's not on here, but I'm going to give it to you. I believe it's Mark 9 and 23. And what it says is there, there were some blind men and they came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, they said, can you heal us? And Jesus said, the question is not, can I heal you? The question is, can you believe it? And then I love this in the message translation because they said, yes, we believe. And then he looked at them and said, become what you believe. And guess what they became? They became men who could see because the words got in their heart and the word produced sight. Now in the natural they were blind when it started but the word produced sight. See you need to understand that it doesn't matter what you've been diagnosed with and it doesn't matter what your credit score is. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what your past is. You can become something different if you get the word in your heart and just like those men were blind and they could not see and they came to Jesus and then Jesus spoke a word to them and they believed that word. That word literally began to creatively create vision for them and that's what the word will do for you. It will give you vision. It will help you see where you could not see before. It will take you where you would never imagine that you could go because the word has power and baby that is what makes our God so different than any other God that exists. I love it. There's a scripture. I believe it's in Psalms. It says, listen here, you got all these other gods, but I actually run these other gods because these other gods aren't even real. In fact, you have to build these other gods. You have to fashion them out of gold. You have to fashion them out of wood. You have to fashion them out of all these things, but you didn't fashion me. I fashioned you. God's word works. God's word works. It is your season to become what you believe. Some of you have been sitting in the place of Lodabar so long. Lodabar is the place where um, Jonathan's son was taken after Jonathan died. And he was in that place and it was a place that was beneath him. And when David found out that he was in Lodabar, he sent for him and he brought him back to the king's table. And sometimes you can get so used to sitting in a place that's beneath you, eating off of scrubs and crumbs when God has called you to the table where the table is spread. In fact, in Psalms 23, it says he will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I am telling you, it is your season for great victory. I challenge you to rise up and become what you believe. You you believe you heal, become healed. You believe you're free, become free. You believe that you have the joy of the Lord, become what you believe. Become it. it is time. Stop waiting on somebody to give you permission. Stop say, waiting on somebody to lay hands on you. Stop waiting on somebody to give you a prophecy. Take this word and prophesy to yourself. Begin to declare, I am like the blind man. I believe Jesus and I become what I believe. I am already delivered. I am already free. I am already whole. I'm just waiting on the manifestation. I already believe it's done. Something supernatural is working for me right now. Hallelujah. You just got to stop. You got to pray. Praise the Lord. Listen, 
That's why I really need Pastor Elwin here because if he was here, he'd bump me on the shoulder a little bit. But I'm telling you, there's no way I get to thinking about the word and how the word can take a man that is blind and make them see how the word can take my daughter Jordan who could not talk and give her the ability to talk. Baby, you can't talk me out of my faith. I know too much about him. I've seen him do too much. I've seen him come through too many times. I've seen him make miracles when it seems like it wasn't a way. There's a scripture that says he'll make water in a desert. That God is doing that in somebody's situation right now. He is making water in your desert. Yes, he is. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's go to Psalms 89 and 34. Psalms 89 and 34. Shall I love the word? I'm just starting to talk to y'all like we at church together. I love the word. The word ought to stir you up. The word ought to stir you up. He is making water in your desert right now. Amen. Psalms 89 and 34. It says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. My covenant, this is, what are these scriptures for? These scriptures are just showing you how much God loves you. They're just showing you how faithful he is to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. That's actually what Jeremiah 1 and 12 says. It says he watches over his word to perform it. He's not going to break his covenant. He's not setting you up to fail. This is your season. It is your time. It is time for you to arise from every pit that you are are not called to be in and to step into your place of victory like those blind men. It's time for you to just become what you believe. Let's look at Isaiah 48 and 3. I love the word. Hallelujah. It says, I have declared the former things from the beginning and they went forth out of my mouth and I showed them and I did them suddenly and they came to pass. Now, I really like this scripture because this scripture, listen, this scripture right here, you can really deal some, dig some things out of. He says, I declared the former things from the beginning. So God declared your victory before he ever created you. God declared your success before you ever started. He declared your victory before you got he, before you ever were in a fight, God already declared that you were victorious. Before you ever were sick, God already declared that you were healed. Before you ever declared that you didn't have money, God already declared that you had more than enough. It says he declared those former things from the beginning and they went forth out of my mouth and I showed them and I did them suddenly and they came to pass. See, there are some times where it looks like something is happening suddenly, but in truth, the word is already gone before you. And then when you you get in faith, it shows up, and so it looks like that it happened suddenly, but it didn't happen suddenly because it because because God had already prepared for it. And and you know, if you've ever if you live in the country and you've ever been seen a storm coming, you can see the clouds are full and the storm is coming. You know what I'm talking about? And those clouds get full, and you can tell. And it look sometimes people will say it looks like that storm came up all of a sudden. And even though it may look like it came up all of a sudden to you, the storm was already in the making before you can see it. I'm trying to get you to understand that your victory is already in the making even if you can't 
can't see it. It's already done. Your victory's already done. I'm just trying to encourage you today. I'm just trying to build your faith. I'm just trying to strengthen your inner man. I'm trying to get you to the point that hump day ain't a hump day for you anymore. That hump day is just another day of victory. I'm trying to get you to the place that when things aren't going right, that what's coming out of your mouth is that God already has my victory. That it's already done. I'm already victorious. I don't already know how it's, I don't always know how he's going to do it. But what I know is that he's faithful. I don't always know. Look, wait. Yeah, let me go ahead and say this too, because some of you grew up and you heard songs like this. God may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Um, God don't have to God isn't not coming when you want him because God was there before you got there. Now, what we ought to say is that it took us a moment to wake up and see where God was. We're not, we're not chasing God. God is already there. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me because you will become open and aware that I was always there. Like God isn't playing hide and seek from you. He's not hiding the promises. Got you uh, running over here with a carrot to run over there with a uh, a carrot. He actually has prepared the word for your victory and when you get in this word it will produce just turn it to your name and say the word always produces it always produces let's go to 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. And yes, I see Pastor Edwin said it earlier. Please keep giving the hearts. Please go ahead and share it. We want this to go all over the world. We want it to go to Japan, to England. We want it to go to Dubai. We want it to go all over the world because we want it to go to Africa, to Egypt. We want it to go because we know that there are people who need this word of victory, who need to know that God is not out to get them, that God is not mad at them, that God is not angry with them, that God is not trying to hurt them that God is not don't have them in a holding pattern trying to get them to struggle as much as they can that he wants our victory so let's look at 2nd Corinthians 1 and 20 2nd Corinthians 1 and 20 it says for all of the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of the father now really like this scripture and I like this scripture because it says all of the promises of God are yes in him. They're all yes in him. Which means that sometimes you're going after something and the thing you're going after isn't the thing that God told you to go after. So even though it's a promise because it's not in him, it's not quality. You know, that's not a yes because oh, let, let's use this example. So God says that um, he wants you to get married, right? So that's a promise. That promise is in him. But you go out here and you just pick Joe Jackson because Joe Jackson just seemed like the kind of dude that you should be with. And then the Lord is telling you, know that you shouldn't you be with Joe Jackson. And then what you're saying is, but the Bible says that all of the promises of God are yes and amen. No, it says all of the promises of God are in him. Yes. So when I'm in obedience, I'm in him. When I am in agreement with him, I am in him. Now, listen, even we see that with Jesus and when Jesus was fasting and the devil came to him and he said, if you're so hungry, why don't you go ahead and make this, this stone bread? And Jesus responded back to the devil. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. It wasn't that Jesus did not have authority to make bread, to make stone bread. It was that at that time, that wasn't his assignment because at that time he was on a fast. We know that he could do it because he turned water into wine. It is very important for us to live by the words that God has 
has for us. Not just these written words, but what God says to you when you pray. When you get ready to say something to your husband and the Holy Spirit goes, not now. Don't do that. Not now. When you get ready to go off on your job and the Holy Spirit goes, mm-mm, 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 hold that, hold that, hold that. You have to understand that he says all of the promises are in him, yes, and in him it is so. So we want to bring, we don't want to use this kind of teaching to just be like, I can have whatever it is I want. I can name and claim whatever it is I want. No, we want to be like, God, you have already thought about our life. You've already thought about our destiny. You walked it out from the beginning to the end. You already know every trap that's set. You already know everything that, that you have for us. And so we want to be in you. So we, yes, we want a new job. But we want the new job you want us to have, right? And we want the new house, but we want the house that you want us to have. Now, even some of you, listen, this even pertains to ministry. You want to go overseas, but is now the time? Is this the place? Or is this where you're supposed to go? Is this what you're supposed to do? You want to start a church, but is the time now? Do you need to learn how to serve and sit somewhere else and get some things like that? So the, all of the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen. So just go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, just live in him. Just live in him. If you live in him, then what you're praying for will come to pass because he will minister to you what it is that he wants for you in a season. He'll begin to draw on your heart and put in your heart what he wants. And, and, and this is so important, guys. Don't love the promises more than the God of the promise. Do not love, like there's so many amazing blessings in this word, but do not love the promises of God more than you love him. Do not want the stuff, whatever that promise is, do not want that more than you want God. Because if you want that thing more than you want God, then you'll end up being drawn away by the lust of your own flesh and you'll get caught up in some situations you should never be in here. And I bet it's at least five people on this post right now who got caught up with somebody that you never should have been caught up with because it wasn't that what you wanted was wrong. It was that what you wanted wasn't in him. It wasn't that wanting a mate was wrong. It's that the joker you picked wasn't in him. It wasn't that wanting the job was wrong. It's that the job that you wanted wasn't in him. And so anybody out there who can testify and be like, it's just some times that I got myself caught up, not because God didn't want me to have it, but because what I wanted wasn't what God wanted me to have. Amen. Do not love the promises. These prom the Bible says they're rich and exceeding promises. The goodness of God is so good it can make you drunk. But don't fall in love with the promises. Keep your heart attached to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Keep your heart attached to Jesus. Because if you keep your heart attached to Jesus, you won't get offended when you want something and God says, no, 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 not that. Because if he says, no, 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 not that, then that means it's not your promise because all of the promises are in him. Yes and amen. All right. All right. Let's go to Jeremiah 1 and 12. Y'all all right out there? I think we're going to get through all of these in an hour. Yes, we are. Amen. I love the word. Let's go to Jeremiah 1 and 12. Jeremiah 1 and 12. Love the word. Love God. Keep your heart attached to God. 
And let me say this as you're going to Jeremiah 1 and 12. It's not always easy to obey God. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And that's why I think it's so important for us to realize that our first priority is to realize that God wants Christ to be developed in us. God wants Christ to be developed in us, the image of Christ to be developed in us, which means that there are sometimes there are things that we want to do. And God is like, no, that's not my promise for you. And you're like, but oh, so-and-so got to do it. He like, yeah, but that don't have nothing to do with you. That is not my promise for you. God, stay in your lane because in your lane is great victory. You know, I love Isaiah 1 and 19. It says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good, uh, good of the land. Isaiah 1. 19 it says if you are willing and obedient you will eat the good of the land God has so much goodness for you he has so much goodness for you and so much goodness for me that we don't have to jump in somebody else's lane trying to get something that God doesn't want us to have and if we would have the courage to walk away from the things that God doesn't want us to have we would be open to receive the things that God wants us to have because in your lane in your lane in your place of obedience in your faithfulness is where God is and that is where your victory is and I can't wait until we come back when, when we get to point three and we talk about how everything is measured by the word because some of you are going to do some cutting in this year to get great victory because some of the stuff that you're attached to is not designed to produce victory in you that's why Hebrews said let us lay aside and cast down every weight that does so easily beset us not everything is a sin but some stuff is just weight and it slows you down from running the race that you're called to because you're so is tied to stuff that you never should have been tied to anyway. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 1 and 12, it says, Then the Lord said unto me, Thou hast seen well, for I hasten my word to perform it. I hasten my word to perform it. Amen. The Lord does what he says. Amen. I want to look this up in the amplifier right quick. Love the word. I love the word. I love the word. In the Amplified, it says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. Now, you remember back when we looked at Isaiah, we said that the word becomes like seed. It goes in our heart and it grows up on the inside of us. Well, what he said, what he said to Jeremiah is he says, I am alert and alive. God is not dead. You're dead. Your God is alive. He's alive. He's present. He's here. Your God is alive. He says, I am alert and I am alive and I am watching over my word to perform it. What does that mean? He says, I am looking for someone who believes me because when the word is mixed with faith, the supernatural takes place. He says, so I'm not just looking to see where my word is written in a book and where somebody has it in a journal or even somebody where it's where somebody's quoting it. I'm looking to see, I'm looking to find a heart that's full of faith. I'm looking to find a heart that believes me. He said, because when I find a heart that believes me, something supernatural happens and I'm watching over my word to perform it. And I bring it to pass. Man, that's just so good right there. So you and I, we determine our victory. Understand this, that there are literally people who have come up out of situations where they should have died because they believed it was the will of God for them to live. 
They just would not let go of the promises of God. So then their body began to heal itself. And then the doctors had to come back and say, we don't even know what happened. We don't even understand how you got healed. Your belief causes your faith, your faith activates the word. So it's almost like the word is in seed form. And when a seed is just on the counter, it's dormant, right? Seeds don't grow. If you just take some sunflower seeds and put them on your counter, they don't just grow, right? You got to get them in a heart, right? You got to get them in the right ground, in the right environment. So the reason that we cultivate our heart, we put the word in it. We don't let offense get in. We don't let, uh, uh, we don't stay offended with people. We don't keep unforgiveness in our heart. It's because we want our hearts to be the kind of ground that produces. Just go ahead and make that declaration. Say, my heart produces. My heart produces. My heart produces the word. Yes, it does. My heart produces the word. Glory to God. My faith is active and alert. My faith is producing. Yes. My faith produces. Yes. But that's why he tells us, I see that Mika just said it. That's why he tells us to guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. He says, because the enemy is going to come and try to sow stuff in your heart. It, listen, this is the truth. If you get to talking about healing, then people start getting sick. People that you ain't never known to be sick before start getting sick. And then somebody tries to make a Facebook post to talk about how healing ain't for everybody. And then your auntie call and she tell you how healing ain't for everybody. And Sister Mary believed God and she didn't die. If you believe in God for money, somebody comes along and tries to make you feel guilty for having money and tells you that you don't really love the Lord because you want money. Now, interestingly, while they're telling you that you don't really love the Lord while you want money, they'll turn right around and ask you to buy a kid a coat. But that's neither here nor there. My point to you is that folks will come, the enemy will use people to try to steal the word from you. He'll try to steal the word with offense. He'll try to steal the word with unforgiveness. And then he'll try to steal the word by people who don't know what they're talking about, but they try to place doubt in your heart to make you back up off of what God said. Well, maybe God didn't say I could be healed. Well, maybe God didn't say I could have this. No, I can have whatsoever God said I can have regardless to what anybody else does. Amen? Amen. All right. If you want a life of faith, you must focus on the word of God. The Bible isn't simply a sweet storybook or a list of do's and don'ts. It is a manual for life that is packed with supernatural power. The faith person believes what Hebrews 4 and 12 says. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Therefore, the faith person makes time to study and meditate on the word regularly. I love Hebrews 4 and 12. You're like, do you love all the scriptures? I love most of the scriptures. I, it's a couple of them and I'll be like, I don't really want to do that. But I still love the word because the word will transform your life. It says, here's what the word does. Because the word is alive and powerful. That is sharper than any two-edged sword. So literally what the word is designed to do is it's designed to get in your heart and dig up the stuff that's not like God. To dig up the wrong teaching that you've had. To dig up the experiences that you've had 
to dig up the negative self-talk that you've had. The goal of the word is to come like a sword and cut through everything that stops you from your victory. That is the goal of the word. That's why the word pierces us sometimes. That's why the word pricks us sometimes because it will, it will cut you deep and then the Lord will love you so much he'll cut you deep and then he'll just put some oil on you and say, baby, you're going to be all right. Why? Because you have some wrong thinking that you cannot get victory with that thinking. If you have negative thinking about marriage, you will never have the kind of marriage that God wants you to have. Not because God doesn't want you to have it, but because you aren't allowing the word to penetrate and permeate deep on the inside of you and produce the changes that would allow you to have days of heaven on earth. Yes. So just so you know, God uses the word to cut us. He's not using circumstances and sickness. He's not killing your grandmama and making her sick in order to get you to love him. He's not taking your baby in order because he need an angel. That's not what God is doing. When God wants to penetrate us, when God wants to perfect us, he uses the word. Amen. I love the word. All right. Let's look at Psalms 119 and 96. Now, you know this is Pastor Ellen's scripture right here. If you were on the broadcast last week, if you've been at church and Fellowship of Champions any length of time, you know that this is his scripture. Now, guys, we're almost done. We got two more scriptures, but I want you to stay strong in this thing. I want you to keep giving hearts, keep giving shares, keep sharing it with people because this word is designed to change your life. Not because I'm teaching it, but because it works. Amen. So, Psalms 119.96, it says that I have seen that everything human has its limits and its end, no matter how extensive, noble, or excellent. But your commandment, Lord, is exceedingly broad and extends without limits even into eternity. Oh, y'all, this is such a good scripture. It says everything human has its limits. Everything human has an end, no matter how extensive, noble, or excellent. So it says if it's human, it don't matter how good it is, it has a limit. It says, but the word of God, baby, it is exceedingly broad and it extends without limits. I love this part. It says, even into eternity. Let me tell you how this scripture really ministers to me. Because it says that the word is so broad that it extends even into eternity. Eternity is where God already is because God does not live in time. We live in time. God does not live in time. But it says that the word is so broad that this word can extend into eternity. Well, wait, what does that mean? Well, in the when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. It literally means you can use the word to reach up into heaven and pull something down into the earth that shouldn't that you shouldn't have access to. So, for example, you should not have access to a new kidney without having a kidney transplant. But if God gives you a word to believe in for a new kidney, you can use the word. The word will go up into eternity and the same God that made your first two kidneys will remake a kidney without surgery. Now, I don't know if anybody else is just crazy enough to believe that God does stuff like that, but I've 
seen too many miracles. I've seen too many testimonies. I've seen too much faithfulness to know that literally you can take a word and you you can use that word to reach into heaven to grab what should not belong to you. I'm going to give you these two examples to show you what I'm talking about. Um, the first example is when Jesus fed the 5,000. If you read that scripture, it'll say that when they brought him the food, he looked up into heaven. He looked up, up into heaven. Why did he look into heaven? Because that fish, that snack basket, it had a limit. It may have been good, but it had a limit. There was no way that that fish basket could feed all of those people. So he looked up into heaven where there were no limits. And the Bible says that as he was looking into heaven, he would take it and he would break it. My God, that's so good. So what should have not been enough became more than enough because Jesus did not have his eyes focused on the fish basket. He had his eyes focused on eternity. And he was like, in eternity, there is no shortage of food. So I'm going to keep my eyes focused on heaven. That's why he says, when you pray, pray, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. That's why when we pray, we say we come against the flu because nobody in heaven has the flu. Nobody in heaven has cancer. Nobody in heaven has dementia. Nobody in heaven has depression. Nobody in heaven has high blood pressure. So we decree and declare that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we look up into heaven, not at what the doctor says, not at the fish basket, not at the report of the mortgage company. We look into heaven and we literally use our faith to pull eternity into earth. He says, look at this right here. Everything ha earthly has its limits. It has a limit. Care how much money you got. God can put something in your heart you don't have enough money for. I don't care what you got. It's not enough. You li literally you could get a billion dollars and then you find you'd have a vision for something that was two billion dollars. He says everything in the earth has a limit. He says, but the word is exceedingly broad and it goes into eternity. So I can literally take something that does not exist in the earth realm, use my faith to cause it to manifest in the earth realm because I have chosen to believe God. Somebody just shout, I believe God. 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 I'm going to end with this next story right here because it's another example of this Psalms 119. There was a Seraphonician woman and the woman came. Oh yes, come on now. That's creative faith. Now if you go back, if you haven't done so already, let me make this plug right here. You need to get the Champions for Life app. It is Champions number four life app. You need to get that app on your phone and you need to go and listen to the messages or you need to go to www.focchurch.com. You need to go and you need to get the messages. That first message Pastor Elwin preached the first Sunday of this year where he is talking about creative faith. You need to get that message. That message ought to be on replay. That ought to be a message message that you're either looking at the notes or listening to the message at least once a week because that is how we are going to create 
to have creative faith. And Pastor Elwin begins to talk about creative faith and he begins to talk about, see the truth of it is, he begins to talk about that there's this obedient faith. And obedient faith is where God asks you to go pick somebody up. You already got a car. You already got gas. You're just obeying God. But there is another faith where God asks you to do something. He asks you to build a company when you don't have any money. He asks you to create a product that you haven't created yet. He asks you to do something, to believe something that you don't yet have in the natural. How do you get it from the heaven here? You use the word to reach into eternity and cause it to come to pass. Yes, that is so good. So we're living in this season of creative faith. It is this season where God is going to ask you to do some things and some of the stuff that he asks you to do it's going to seem crazy and I'm not talking about because you got to just watch people because people will start using that to just be ridiculous. I'm not talking about you creating some stuff and the Lord told you the Lord told you to be with somebody else's husband. No, that is not the kind of foolishness we're talking about. We're talking about where God says to you, this time next year, you're going to be off your job because I'm going to help you build a business. This time next year, your marriage is going to look so good that you're going to forget you're going through this year. This time next year, you're going to have a report that says that you've been healed. I am talking about allowing your faith to produce what it has the ability to faith because your faith is just you believing God. The work is to enter into the rest of just believing God. Amen. So I want to wrap up and I want to use this scripture right here or this story right here. It's in the New Testament in one of the gospels. I don't know which one off the top of my head, but you should look it up just to make sure I'm telling you the truth. There was a Seraphonician woman whose daughter was sick and she came to Jesus and she asked Jesus. Now that's, this is important because at the time Jesus came to the Jews and salvation and deliverance was not available to the Gentiles yet. In fact, that doesn't happen until Jesus goes to the cross. But I want you to watch this. I want you to watch Psalms 119 and 96 in work. Okay? She comes to Jesus and she says to Jesus, she says to Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. And Jesus calls her a dog. Now, listen, what I want to tell you is that most of us would have missed the blessing right then. If Jesus called you a dog, honey, you'd tried to fight Jesus. You'd have walked away in this day and age. If Jesus was here and Jesus called you a dog, you'd have put him on Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and talked about how trifling he was and how he wasn't really a man of God. Most people would have missed their blessing. But this woman says something that's so profound. She said, even the dogs eat from the master's table. She said, listen here, I may be a dog, but even dogs get to eat from the master's table. Jesus turns around and says to her, Ooh, where you get faith like that? And then he heals her daughter. Well, this is important because healing is the package that a part of the salvation package. Healing, deliverance, eternal life, that's all a part of the salvation package. But the salvation package was not available to Gentiles yet because Jesus had not gone to the cross. Now, you better listen to me, right? But this lady comes and approaches Jesus with crazy faith and says to Jesus, listen here, 
I may be a dog, but even dogs eat from the table. So basically what she was saying is this. I may not be a Jew, but I know you got a little something for me. I love when the saints find the scripture. Kristen said it's Matthew 15, 21 through 28. She, she says, I may be a dog. I may not be qualified. I may not be Jewish. I may not be this. But even as a dog, can, can you give me some scraps from the table? And her faith caught Jesus' attention. Your faith can catch Jesus' attention. How do you know that your faith can catch Jesus' attention. Let me insert this right here. When the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, Jesus said, who touched me? What do you mean who touched me? We're hundreds of people. What do you mean who touched me? He felt faith rise up out of him. God knows when virtue leaves him and he knows when somebody isn't talking to him out of desperation. See, faith isn't a place of desperation. It's a place of expectation. See, when you're in faith, you aren't desperate. When you are in faith, you are in expectation. People in faith are in expectation. So anyway, back to this wonderful woman here who gets this miracle. And the Bible says that Jesus was like, Oh my goodness, look at your faith. And because of her faith, he gives her access to something that she should not qualify for. Now, some of you ought to have jumped up off of your computer and took your desk and took off running, off your bed and took off running. Because if you can find in the scripture where faith can get somebody something they don't qualify for, then when God gives you a word, even if you don't qualify for it, then it will get you what it is that you don't qualify for. Not because you qualify, but because you believe God. You grabbed hold of the word. The word reached into heaven and it jumped you to a place in the line that you shouldn't have been. See, really, that's all favor is. Favor ain't fair. And the reason that favor ain't fair is that because you can't have my favor. It's not that you can't have your own. It's that you can't have my favor because my favor belongs to me. And so when I believe God, my favor will cause me to in rooms that they say I don't qualify for. My favor, you're the favor Hallelujah. Looks like we had a delay for a second. It should come right back on. Hallelujah. But your faith, let me just, because I want to say that again, because I know it paused for a second. So literally this woman used her faith. She used her conviction that Jesus had what she needed. Listen, I want to tell you this. No man comes to Jesus believing and doesn't receive. There's a lot of people who don't get breakthrough because you love the Lord, but you scared that God not going to do what he said. You're scared that it's not going to work out for you. Faith will cause you to be confident in expectation and you'll be like that woman to say even if I am a dog there is a blessing with my name on it even if I am a dog there is a blessing with my name on it but you're not a dog because you have been declared the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and if that woman could get a blessing then you can too all right, I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to hope that when you watch it on the replay that it doesn't buffer that much. And so, um, listen, guys, get in this word for yourself. 
You look up these scriptures in different translations. Make confessions out of them. Pray over them. Speak the word. Declare victory. Begin to deal with the negative mindset that you have. Cast down every imagination. Give your attention to the word. Give your full attention to the word and let God produce great victory in your life. Because I believe that there is somebody who is watching this who is going to be just like that woman from Canaan and your faith is going Going to bump you to the front of the line and give you access to something that they said that you do not deserve, but God is going to say yes, because I have recognized and honored her faith. And I have honored his faith. And we appreciate you. If you want to be a covenant partner with FOC, you can go and give financially. Help us keep expand the ministry. We're going to travel, take this ministry all over the world. We're believing God. God this year for a church building. We are believing God to do um, a couple of conferences that will basically in Power people, Pastor Edwin and I are going to do those, those of you who are abundant life, you will remember this. We are going to do um, a victory campaign because we are just gonna just let this thing get embedded in our hearts till it overflows. We're going to do a victory campaign. And yes, we might do it online, but we'd like to do it in person. And so if you um, feel led to give today, if this word has been a blessing to you, then we want to challenge you to go to the website, to go to the Push Pay app and sow your seed and believe God for a harvest. We're believing God for your harvest. We thank all of you for your faithful attendance and your faithful support. Those of you who go to FOC, stay firm in the fast. Stay firm in the fast finish strong we will see you at sunday morning at 9 30 on time for confessions because we love the word at foc and we don't miss confessions we love the word we love you guys so much let me pray i love you guys too I love y'all so much. Pastor Edwin has put the information up there. If you want to be um, a partner, um, you want to give into the ministry, you want to sow. Those of you who have church homes, you may just say, you know what? Here's what I want to do. I want to be a blessing. I want to sow $50 a month into the work that the FOC is doing. Um, It's not coming to Pastor Edwin and I. It's coming for the work of the ministry to be able to teach, to be able to reach people, to be able to be a blessing. to other people and so um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get on off of here alright most gracious heavenly father Lord we thank you for the richness of your word we thank you that your word is so power packed that it produces and father we thank you that the word has gone out tonight and it will transform lives and people will never be the same again. Father, we thank you that the word is producing healing right now. The word is producing peace right now. The word is breaking the shackles of depression right now. That the word is causing people to live in victory. Father, we thank you for this word. You said we will decree a thing and it will be established unto us. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that this 
is our year of great victory, great victory. And we thank you in advance. We thank you for angels that are going forth, making it pass. We thank you for supernatural assistance. We thank you for the people that you are speaking to us for us to favor, to favor us. And Lord, we thank you that our hearts are sensitive to the people that you want us to favor, the people you want us to be a blessing to, because we know that everything produces after its own kind. So we're not just looking to be a blessing. We're not just looking for blessings. We want to be a blessing because that is the promise that you have given us. God, we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you and we bless you in Jesus name. Amen.